One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, Egg Chasers. The Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back in the rugby dungeon with lots to talk about, so I'm not going to waste any time. JB is sock free, only fans ready, and fresh from a. I was going to say a weekend. It's a, it's a good four or five days in Dubai. Yeah, big heavy shift in Dubai. Hello, Tim Cocker. How are you? How are you, Phil? Uh, hello, JB. In- introducing me instead of Tim this week. I like yeah. no, go for it. I like it. <laughs> Why not? Why, Why not? not? <laughs> Just mixing it up. <laughs> I, I'm good, JB. Just like I was in Dubai, mixing it up. <laughs> well, firstly, well done. You're you're incredible. You seem you always when you go away on these weekends, you come back, and I'm always I admire the energy you have. I'm quite good at long form drinking. It's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have endurance. Uh, you're you're more built for power, not not endurance. I mean, I'm I, except when you're drinking. Yeah, except when I'm drinking, I can drink for days on end, <laughs> and it's not it's not a healthy situation. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> so the best way to avoid a hangover is just to drink more the next day, and eventually it will catch up with you. So I think four days is like my max. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Drink drinking. I, what we did in Japan uh, four and a bit years ago. You know, it fills me with dread and anxiety. <laughs> we it was. 16 days of drinking like you're on a stag do. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. nuts. <laughs> well, JB's been out at the sevens. I'm sure he'll give us a blow-by-blow account of all of the rugby that went on, um, or else we'll just hear lots of stories about uh, life in Dubai. That's to look forward to. Uh, yes. As always, you can get in touch with us, contact Chasers at gmail.com on email. That's the best way to get in touch, to be honest, because... Well, that gives you as, as much space as you need. Well, You're not limited to 140 characters. We we don't really use social media unless it's for lift. picture videos of JB doing lifts. Yes, well, there's lifting on Instagram, but also I tell you what, follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, the quality of interaction on LinkedIn is so high; it's ridiculous. So people that actually listen to rugby and they have real jobs, unlike um, people that run rugby blogs. So it, it's really, really good to hear from people. And uh, yeah, follow me on LinkedIn and have a conversation about rugby there's yeah it's great really, and the, really good. the other way you can support the show keep the lights on and get extra content is on patreon patreon.com slash egg chasers and i think our plan is to do a little extra today because there are lots of topics which we okay. might we, which we might hold back slightly and i think patreon with our tr- most closest dearest most trusted um supporters we can we can just let go yeah and i think they are all sort of linked and I feel very angry about three of these topics. Like, really very angry. Maybe four of them. So I don't really want to pollute the rugby content with that anger. So we'll wait for Patreon. Well, I, I don't think we shouldn't touch upon some of these hot-button issues on the podcast. It's just if you feel like you want to, you know, just hit the brakes, you, you've got a, you've got an outlet, JB. How about yeah. that? Yep, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there was lots of rugby going on. Um, 
But let's actually start with a story that was earlier in the week and has become one of the biggest stories of the week. Uh, the England captain, or former England captain, mm-hmm. stepping back from playing international rugby for the Six Nations and, and maybe beyond, Owen Farrell. Uh, which, which means that um, of the um, England captains or former England captains who have captained England and are in the squad or were in the World Cup squad, Farrell has stepped back. Courtney Laws has retired. Yeah. Tom Curry is out for an extended period of time, meaning if they are going to have um, a captain captain them who has experienced captain captain England, England, the only man will be Ellis, Ellis Genge. Genge, who I do not think is a very good captain, and who, but, uh, prob- well, who well, might well, might not even be a starter. Yeah, am I even allowed to say that? Because it strikes me that there's a lot of conflation between abuse of Owen Farrell. Which I think sometimes you, you know, mild abuse, okay, fine, sports stars, we're, we're all, you know, that we're all guilty of criticising them at some point. I don't mean personal abuse, but yeah, some abuse. And criticism. And I, I don't know, this is a very Owen Farrell story to me, which is anything which involves Owen Farrell just snowballs into something completely you know, unwieldy with a life of its own. It did surprise me how the exact picking up on what you just said. I thought, and I said on this podcast, and the the absolute circus that there was before the World Cup with that that poor tackle against Tane Basham, the judicial panel uh, saying it was yellow card only, the ridiculous outcry after that was just something that. It was like, what? If this was any other player, no. this, this would not be this big of a deal. But because it was Owen Farrell, it was just an insane deal. It was a huge, it was a, it was a huge no, deal. No, no, no. But it, because it was Owen Farrell, it was no. just whipped up to a level. I haven't yes. seen it. Equally, now what you're saying on the other side is the. And I don't know if it's some people feeling a little bit guilty and kind of hitting the reverse button. Beep, beep. But it's also sort of. Got, it's become a much bigger story than just Owen Farrell saying, yeah, I'm going to not play for England okay. for a bit. So first things first, if you don't want to play for England, that's kind of your prerogative. Yeah. So Courtney Lawrence has decided not to play for, play for England. He's got four small kids. He's, you know, 30s now. Yeah, okay, I understand that. There's also the argument to say you should never retire from representative honours, which if I know you, is a position that you strongly... If your country calls, you answer that call. Yeah, yeah. if there's no one better than you, you should be playing, I think. But on the other hand, people have the right to retire. So, you know, Courtney Laws has done it. Um, now, the difference is, with this one, is Owen Farrell has done like a temporary retirement. But he's not even the first one to do that, is he? Because Joe Moller's has done it. Yeah. And Joe Moller's has done it several times. Yeah, and Joe Moller, I mean, is very smart. Like, look, I'm in the best loose head then. I'm best loose head now. If I'm not the best, I'm comfortably the second best. You need me more than I need you. And that's his, that's his attitude. He cited mental health in the past. But it's Owen Farrell, isn't it? And it yeah, has well, I, I think that is different, though, because Joe Marler was not always first choice. Um, or equally, Joe Marler has done this several times, and I think that sort of dilutes how big of a deal it is. I think that the phrase that Owen Farrell used after the semi-final of the World Cup, which he also used four years ago, was, I'm so proud to be English. And I think that highlights just what playing for his country means for him. I think Owen Farrell does see it as a kind of duty far mm. above rugby. And the the serious guy he is, and also the sense that people get from him, that he's this bulletproof, resilient character on a psychological level. I think that I is... I at all from I, him. I, I totally see that. I, I think that is why it's come as more of a surprise well, that if, it's Owen Farrell. If you... I mean, there's two ways to look at it. 
so there's the bulletproof resilience because of that sort of shield that he puts up to everybody all the time. Now his teammates don't think that. I know that. I know this because I've asked them. I mean, they always say that he's not like that. But it does strike me that he isn't that resilient, or else he would be talking to well, the he, press, he, and he, he would have a press profile above what he has. Well, he's, he's extremely private. And Shy. He, but there again, he does do media. So I, the yeah, answer is... Shy's too simplistic yeah. way of looking at it. Yeah. All they want is for him to talk. And some players... You know, you think about a player... Let me give you one who's not English or an England international currently. Someone like Mark Atkinson. I'll use him because I just love talking to the guy. And he'll give you everything, chapter and verse, about rugby. And you can get a really good conversation of him about rugby. And I've never heard Owen Farrell do that. And therefore, I think it leads particularly reporters to write their own story about him or put their own spin on things because they need something about the England captain. Well, well that's that's one of the interesting things. I mean, I was interested to see how you view this one as well, Phil, because Mark McCall has come out after the sort of dust had settled and everyone had had their say initially about, oh, that's a surprise and is this a wake-up pool for rugby? Mark McCall said, yeah, yeah, everyone's talking about social media and absolutely what's happened there has been awful. However, this is mainstream media's doing. The things that they wrote, the narrative they they laid out about Owen Farrell is not the man I know and I've worked with for 15 years and they are culpable. That They are the reason this I has happened. don't. I mean, what's the worst thing you've ever heard written about? I don't think... That he's, don't, that he's, that he's a thug, he's nasty, he's... I'm not... You'd have to show me the quote. Mm, because that, I, I'm not sure I would agree that the journalist I know would ever write that, actually. I think they... I mean, I could see it. He's a bu- that he's a bully... That he's controlling. I mean, these are things that I've read. I'm he's not a, wait, sure. There read, you go. No, no, but I'm not sure I've read them from, the, like, Alex Lowe. Or I'm not sure I've read them from Stephen Jones. I'm not sure I've read them from any any journalist, to be No, fair. but uh, you, can, you can levy what you read, or you can listen to people that played with him, coached him, refereed him. There's a massive chasm between what people in the sport and outside of the sport say about Owen Farrell. Do you know, let's just go back to the Arundel thing, right? Because this is a classic example to me. Like, there could have been a bust-up, right? And that could be the reason that Arundel's not playing. And it would be better if they said, yeah, there's a bust-up, because Harry, Harry Arundel doesn't chase his kicks, and he needs to be chasing his well, kicks. Yeah, but is, is that a bust-up, or, or is that a captain saying, do your job? It depends how Arundel responded, <laughs> doesn't it? That wasn't how the bust-up in the England camp was portrayed. But this is why we need... We've always needed a bit more communication from Owen Farrell. What, because, he needs to come out and yeah, and, and say there wasn't a bust-up and this is what happened? He allows people... No, I'm not having this. To, he does. He allows people Bobbins. to write what they think rather than what they know because oh. you don't get enough information about him. Farrell did... He was doing at least two press conferences a week during the World Cup. But the difference is between watched, being I, open and you know giving the information. I've never really heard a, a great interview with him. I think he always strikes the right notes in those press conferences. I've, I've watched a lot of them, he, and yeah. he, he doesn't—he doesn't give a lot away. Like he doesn't—he doesn't talk about—he doesn't talk about where he's going on holiday and how he's feeling or anything. Doesn't do any anything, personal stuff. Anything he? like that. But he talks about what he wants to do, about winning games, about training hard, about playing hard, about how much it means. So if the press are looking for something else, then I—I I mean, they should be looking for like England should be putting someone else forward. But that, but England should be putting. Yeah, I agree with that it, as well. England should be putting. But oh no, that's forward. that's if the press wants some, wants something different. I, I think the problem with this is that, and it, it, this this exact issue is representative of all Owen Farrell situations, because 
people feel so strongly towards him. Yeah. Like, some people really dislike him for va- various different got, reasons me, me and JB a good good example perfect but on this people, podcast you're people, kind of in the middle you yeah. see the good and the bad JB hates him and I love him I some, loathe some him pe- no, I don't some I, people, I like him yeah some people really do dislike him though like many fans of other nations particularly well that's a compliment isn't it, uh, it and that is a compliment but many England fans dislike him because he's not doing uh, double miss passes out the back and he's not doing the goose step and all that anyway but Owen Farrell is a uh, Marmite character. Let's just say that. And this, it seems to be the same. Some people are saying, oh, no, it's the right thing to do. Some people are saying, no, nonsense, should never do this. And and projecting what they believe is the reason onto that, yeah. which is kind of your point, yeah, JB, exactly that point. He, he ends up being, for pros and cons, he ends up being a blank slate, where probably the reality is somewhere in between and somewhere much more understandable and it was a point you made a few years ago, JB, which is for guys operating at this level in front of um, tens of thousands of people in a stadium and millions of people around the world watching them, it's and who are week, on, week in, week out, month in, month out, playing at the highest level, it's actually not that surprising if some of these guys do have some um, mental health falters, particularly like Owen Farrell, who is everyone who's ever coached him just talks about he is so driven and just wants to win. And he's had amazing success in his um, club rugby and he's fallen short by by millimetres in two back-to-back World Cups. He's been the, the final last time and the final, uh, the semi-final this time. It will be absolutely devastating oh. for him as an individual to pick himself up. And he might have just said, with two young kids... I'm, I just need a bit more time. And I think that's probably closer to the truth than anything yeah. else. And that, that for me yeah. is, and this is probably where England or Owen or or perhaps someone, they could help his case a little bit by just putting a bit more meat on the bones. Because well, in the, that vacuum yeah. of information, yeah. everyone's projecting what and they... It, and in that vacuum, what I have mapped on, is that when I was out in France and, it, and I talked about this on the podcast during the World Cup. I was really cheesed off with some England fans booing Owen Farrell. I just thought, I mean, fine. If was it French fans? Yeah, it was. It, a lot of French fans were, but some England fans definitely were. I saw them doing it. So, but it was, it was, it was England. It was French fans, and they, they have a different culture there. It's a bit more like a football crowd, and that's fine. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have a problem. And I also, I'm not getting too precious about a bit of booing because if you want yeah. to express yourself booing at a game, I don't really have a problem with that. And I that don't, won't I bother, don't, like, I don't st- like stuff no. like that. Bo- Owen Farrell has been booed, no. taking kicks, winning yeah. games, losing games. Yeah, that will not. But I gain high shot himself. I do. <laughs> think, but do you remember what? Do you remember Andy Farrell just before the World Cup when we'd had about a week of this uh, post Wales World Cup warm up match? Saga. We'd had about a week of it, yeah. and there was still no resolution from World Rugby, and there was all these talks. Oh, apparently they're going to be appealing the the ban oh, of the yeah. judicial thing. World Rugby appealing the independent um, and, panels ban. And Andy Farrell never gets drawn. Much like Owen Farrell, he'll never get drawn on anything he doesn't want to talk about. Mm. And, and it, I think for Andy Farrell to say the way he's been treated is disgusting. That was a quote from Andy Farrell. That's a big statement, and that indicates. And I thought that that I thought World Rugby were absolutely shocking the way they they just left this vacuum. You talk about vacuums mm. being left. They left a vacuum with all this speculation and the vitriol, and it was just before a World Cup. And I, I I'm amazed, frankly, the way that Owen Farrell didn't bite, never said anything, 
and then just got on with doing the job. I, I think that shows unbelievable resilience. I mean, it wasn't good by World Rugby. I don't like this idea. It's like it's a catastrophe. It's the worst thing that's ever happened. No, I'm not saying that. I mean, he did have a bit of a history of high shotting people, and this this is the problem. Like, it. There is definitely a story to be told here. It's like, is it really that well, bad? It's it, kind of when you actually crunch the numbers on it, it was nowhere near as bad as what was, as was made out. Which is the point that's been oh. made by Mark McCall that the narrative and the reality are completely yeah, but on we different have planets. Seen awful, like the Chodakson one. It was like one of the worst ones I've ever seen. Yeah, but it got really personal. It was a bad tackle. How many people make bad tackles and it's just that, well, that was stupid. Yeah, again, you, you got a ban. And again and again and no, again. But it's, but I mean, it's not like again. There's four of them, isn't it, there? Yeah, there's four. four. Okay, he's been, he's been playing for 12, 13 yeah, years. Horrendous. And this is the problem. It's like, I don't really care that much, right? No, no one there is it's... definitely a case to answer. And to make it into like a yeah, per saying... of time yeah. question no, no, yeah, but doesn't no, work no, for me. Jay, what I'm actually saying is, and I'm, I'm trying to say, this is what Mark McCall's point, and I think this perfectly highlights it, is is there a is there a tackling technique issue which he had to solve? Yes. 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 Does that make him a, an awful person? No. So I'm just pointing out that the narrative that is put out there, the the thug that he's it's repeated, but, no, it's relentless, just, it's constant. It is constant, it is relentless. Um <laughs> okay. but he's not a thug, right? You're giving the lowest common denominators in society so much power over the game by saying, look, they're saying thug. Who cares about what the commenters in the YouTube channel are saying or on or on Twitter? I found out that found out this the hard way. I've come off it. It's, it's just easier. The problem with Owen Farrell is like the death of a dragon by a thousand cuts. Yeah, there's an an- that there is a question to answer on his on his tackle technique. And then you've got the issue of him not talking. Then you've got the issue of the press sort of grafting their own narrative onto him. And then you've got all these these other bits. And each on their own is not a big deal. It's like you said, like per capita of minutes played, like, you know, not a big deal. But then you add them all together and it does become a big deal. It becomes personal. In what respect? For some weird reason. In what respect? Like it goes beyond critiquing a rugby player's performance and it goes to something that, that's a bit more visceral and personal. I'm, no, I'm not a fan of all rugby journalists by any stretch. By any stretch. Uh, but actually the guys who do write, the actual rugby writers who just concentrate on rugby day in, day out, they would never call him a mm. thug. I can imagine them quoting somebody else, but I don't think they would do it. Maybe I'm wrong. I can see one of the sports writers doing it. You know, one of the generic sports co- correspondents. Or the clickbait writers. Yeah, or maybe the Wales Online or someone yeah. who just... I Definitely, I can see Wales Online yeah. doing it. And, and generally speaking, one thing I'm not comfortable with uh, on, on this is that is the, what, what seems to be coming up a lot is that something needs to be done about people saying nasty things on social media. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. I'm very uncomfortable with that because yeah. I just think, actually, it's, it's on all of us to just ig- also ig- ignore crap. We know what the line is when what Tom Foley talked about or what Wayne Barnes talked yeah. about. There's, there's lines that are... Uh, but the line should be criminal, not hurty yeah. feelings. You and should just, just ignore it. Because he's one of the very few times people actually care to talk about rugby. I might not all, all be positive, but he does get people talking. And it's very unfortunate that the person that gets everybody talking is a guy that hates talking himself. And that can't help. That can't help. But yeah, when England play poorly, he has to shoulder some of the responsibility. And when he plays well, he gets some of the praise because that's his position. He's the leader. He, uh, he's the fly half. He's the captain. And I, th- I think he's first to put his hands up and say... Yeah, I think he would say I, that I, I, too. I, I, I think really do. Exactly I think that's that. one of the reasons why I, yeah. I like him because he would never... You would never blame Henry Arundel or Ben Spencer in public. 
Yeah, I think that's pro- 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 yeah. probably right. And, and it's not, and he's not the person that chose to play him twelve when some people didn't like that. And he's not the person that chose to play himself ten when some people would have preferred Marcus Smith. As it is, I just think the bare facts speak for themselves. He is six-time Premiership champion, three-time European champion, European Player of the Year, 112 England caps, uh, the most points ever scored by any England international in the history of rugby union, and only Dan Carter in international rugby in the history of the sport has ever scored more points. And on, uh, if you just want to take pure facts and metrics, he's one of the greatest players ever to play the game. He is one of the greatest English players of all time, and I don't think he gets the respect for those bare facts. And I, I, think, th- I think we can probably yeah. agree that. Well, I think he's quite good, you know. So that's kind of the difference. I think he's quite good. Mm. It's interesting. You, 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 um, you said last week, or was it last week or two weeks ago, when Saracens battered Quinns? Yeah, and you, I, I, you, I, you got behind Owen Farrell, and then a week later he announces his uh, immediate retirement yeah. or post, like a, postponing his international a career. Lot better, a lot better than Marcus Smith. And this is the thing with him. I sort of oscillate between he's absolutely world class and he's quite good. He was world class in a World Cup semi final, and I don't know if there's many more. St- well, there's only one st- stage yeah. uh, greater than that you can be world class in. So he's very rarely poor, and for Saracens, he's a, he is exceptional. In 112 games, you're going to have you're going to have a few stinkers. Yeah, I prefer to look at the. I don't think Owen Farrell for England is nearly as impressive as Owen Farrell for Saracens. So I just don't. I think Owen Farrell for Saracens is legitimately world class, but there are other factors that go into that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. The answer is I don't know. But again, because it's Owen Farrell. Yeah, it's the reason this is a conversation. No one would care if it was... Well, uh, Joe Marler, there was nowhere near as much talk. Joe Marler, great example. Uh, So we should jump around between rugby and and other things going on. Um, I just hope hope it's not the last time we've seen him in an England shirt. I think he he, he could be England's... Possibly possibly should be England's tenant at the next World Cup. Well, the the other thing um, I thought about this when I um, saw the news was... Is he taking a leaf out of Dan Carter? Mm. Um, Bowden or, Barrett. But yeah, Bowden Barrett has done it. Um, even Johnny Sexton. Now, I know he's, he's never had, I don't think he's ever had like a, a period, explicit sabbatical period, except when he's playing away for Leinster. Like he'd, he's, he's been, his, mm. he got to 37, 38. Yeah, like he, has a, he has a sabbatical like two months of every yeah. season for Leinster. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's been managed so well. And um, Saracen's, don't have the uh, facility to do that, particularly not at the moment, um, yeah. and particularly not he, he weighs, he carries a lot of responsibility for Saracens because he is currently one of their two marquee players, and next season will likely be the only their one. only marquee player. Therefore, he can't take a six month sabbatical. Do you know that, that is another thing we want to keep an eye on? I, I'm, I'm serious about that because under the old salary cap, where you know, Saracens could do whatever they wanted. <laughs> uh, the old, old salary yeah, cap. The old, old one, right? <laughs> and even the old one, you, know, you could have Owen Farrell and say, look, Owen, just concentrate on England because you're still valuable to us. You're still valuable to us and we'll go and win European Cups and whatnot. And don't worry, we've got other marquee players and we've got other ways of, you know, making sure everyone's yeah. beak is nicely wetted. Yeah, um, we're going to be bringing in a massive South African tight head prop yeah. and a couple of locks. And, yeah, don't worry, sir. Don't worry. You're going to be going. fine, right? Now, his Saracens workload, they might have just put it on the table to him. Look, we can still pay you this. And they obviously love him to bits. They all, they obviously do because they're going to jettison some, potentially jettison one of their other favourite sons in order to keep him. Who's there, years, there is no way. I, I mean, maybe it's true. I'll say there's not no way, but I would be absolutely flabbergasted if Owen Farrell chose cash over playing for England. I know, I'm not saying he's choosing cash. That's not what I'm saying. 
I'm saying that his Saracen's workload is about to go through the roof. Mm. And that's a very different thing. So he, he does have okay. two responsibilities. Okay, right? I'll, I'll, I'll say I, made... I would be flabbergasted if he chose club rugby over playing for I England. disagree. Well, and yeah, because yeah, I, I thought about that. because So the figures that were reported for um, Mario Toji and Owen Farrell were 700, 800, 900k. That, that kind of money. That's certainly what he would go for in France or elsewhere. Mm. Um, his England, if he plays 10 games a season, he's on a third of that from England. Yeah. So actually from a cash... He actually, well, that's what I mean. I'd be surprised if he'd choose cash. Uh, no, no, but if he's if he feels like he can only do one thing... Yeah. yeah. One thing pays him... So between the two, he gets a million pounds. Yeah. One thing pays a quarter of that. One thing pays 75% of that. His loyalty will actually, weirdly... Um, be more to Saracens because they pay him three times more in any given mm. year. But it's not only that. Now, I th- I think he. I would only say he's doing it to extend his England career. So there, it's not like he's disloyal to England. Yeah. In fact, he's extending his loyalty because he feels like he can, he can do that for longer if he's careful. Yeah. It's not. It's not even that. I would say. I think it's even more fundamental, which is his reputation. His worldwide reputation is based on his England performance. But what got him there was Saracens, mm-hmm. and I think. When you say, I wouldn't choose Saracens over anything else. Well, you've seen what Saracens means to say Jamie George and Theo Dan after a what, a World Cup match, okay, third place. They're talking about the score for Saracens. And we've mentioned on the podcast, they love playing for Saracens. Mm-hmm. Which is why they're all still there after the Salary Cup stuff. A lot of the guys who came through the academy and the system there are still at Saracens. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if it's like, okay, well, I've got to make a choice. Yeah. Does he have and, to make a choice though? Yeah, because what he'll, he'll what we'll be saying to one of his other mates, one of the guys who, who he's come up with, is like, "You've got to go." But if you've got to go for me to stay here, then I've got to make sure that I really put put in the effort, because that's a big commitment. Otherwise, it'd be you know, a decent thing to say, "Be look, let me go," because I can't put in that effort. Mm-hmm. And I, you, I can bring through five players yeah. for the money that I'm on. Yeah. I, I think I, again, it's just based on what I see from the outside, and maybe I'm mapping on what I think about Owen Farrell that he's like playing for his country is the ultimate and like I said it really like sent a little shiver down my spine when he said I'm proud to be English it wasn't proud to play for England it was yeah. English um, that I that that would surprise me but I, I could I could see the fact that go back four years heartbreaking World Cup final defeat Covid which was a horrible time mm. for, to be a rugby player uh, the salary cap stuff it's great time to be a rugby player uh, another awful uh heartbreaking World Cup exit and all of the crap that goes on in between with basically between World Cups nobody wanted him to be in the well very few people seemed to want to be it would have appeared to him that very few people wanted him to even be playing for England and he was like the to- think- he was like the totem for Eddie Jones and and Steve Borthwick I think that's exactly right because they made him the to- well they also made him the totem but as for him stepping down from England I know you guys are not a massive fan of it I am I think graveyards are full of it in- indispensable men and the next guy will wear, wear, wear the shirt and they'll do perfectly well, okay. Well, with that, let's talk about the fact that you had the two guys you'd imagine are going to be fighting for that jersey in a couple of months' time um, going head-to-head. And, I mean, it was, well... Not good. It was it was beat-down Boulevard, but not <laughs> not the AJ Bell. Yeah. Tell like, you what, there should be alarm bells going off at Sail Sharks. I, I did manage to... This was the only game I managed to watch any substantial part of. And Sail Sharks, very unusually, were out in out enthused in the physicality. So uh, Harlequins were flying off the line. They were smashing them everywhere, which is very nice to see. Um, 
But the more concerning thing was the play of the tens. So we all know that Marcus Smith isn't fit to lace Owen Farrell's boots after he just could not lay a glove on him yeah. in the London Derby. But what does that say about George Ford? Because mm. George Ford was not good. He just was not good. I mean, yeah, he just wasn't. He uh, Sale got absolutely spanked. I can't really think of a more comprehensive beating. Well, Sale have had two absolute humpings this season. Yeah. Exeter and Quinns. And they're, they're top of the table mm. with a negative points difference. Minus 16. Which is bonkers. Which is, yeah, unheard of. Yeah. Uh, they should be worried, you know, because there's obviously a chink in the armour. And I'm starting to wonder, is this a case of, like, styles in the Premiership are going to be really important? I've mentioned this before. So some teams will just naturally match up really poorly against others so even if you're high up in the table your style might not be very good for every every team's style will match up quite well against Newcastle yes <laughs> with the exception of Newcastle everyone else is uh, you know it's a bit of a lottery that said they've lost two games to two completely different teams so what does and, that say about their style Harlequins and Exeter you'd think that Sales style would match up nicely against Quinns as well well judging the by f- what physicality up front judging by what Saracens did to him absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. Quinns are good, you know. Quinns are legitimately good. After Except losing, for the fact that Saracens will batter them. Yeah, losing two on the bounce, um, getting had, hammered by Saracens. They're beating Leicester at Welford Road. Yes, yeah. in a good game as well. A proper Exeter, arm wrestle. Yeah. Who it, yeah. Then went and lost badly this weekend. In terms of England watch from that game, uh, yeah, obviously Marcus Smith was much, much better. I wonder if you were going to go with the guy that I, gone. Cade Murley. Oh, that's not where I was going. It's good okay, to see him playing game. again and looking sharp. The other guy who I'm excited about for Quinns, um, excellent and Irish fella. Uh, Will Joseph? No, Chandler. Oh, Chandler Cunningham himself, himself starting yeah. at six. Yeah, I mean, he's got England. He's got future England international written all over I him, hasn't he? Yeah, he does, yeah, he is. Plays lock. Plays. I mean, he's. I mean, he's a natural number eight. I think he even. Um, it might be too early for the Six Nations, but with the with the lack of natural number eights in a style that Steve Borthwick would want because Alex Dombrandt when he had the chance wasn't great at his national level he's just not it's tough isn't it he could be but you'd have to play you'd have to engineer a team to to meet that that style yeah you'd have to play play in the premiership he could be but no Um, yeah uh, I don't know what the answer is Cunningham South does look good though I mean he is he's one of those guys that when he is involved in an intervention things happen like he rips the ball he's still 20 or 21 he's not, he's not that old I, mean, yeah. I feel he was 20 when I watched him a few years ago he was in the, no he was, he was in the under 20s World Cup this year this year well, was he yeah so, yeah. He is so I think he's 20 he, I've just looked him up he will be 21 in March oh wow. I mean, so yeah that, that guy's a so he's still time. 20 so he's got plenty of time so let's not go get the kids in starting for England now let's give him a couple of years bedding in premiership prove himself but he's he's one definitely to have on the radar well there was a guy who I said Looks out of shape and will do nothing. Alfie Barbary. Who did something this He did this, yeah. this week. Well, Come, but just before we go on to him, there are two other yeah, young lads who played in that game. Um one who played a f- couple of weeks ago and scored a try. Um Quinn's reserve hooker, Nathan Jibulu, who came off the bench, who is um he's twenty as well. And Sale Sharks, he was getting some compliments from uh, Joe Marler. Sales Sharks reserve tight head prop who came on early because of the injury to Nick Shonut. Asher yeah. Apoku for Joe, who um, Marla was talking up, looks very good. And if you look through his highlights playing for England under the 20s, yeah. 
Um, who great try still from about only, 35 metres out. Yeah, running over Bounce, multiple... Bounce the player off and yeah. then gassed in, yeah. Running over multiple people against Ireland. Um, two handy players, they're, they're very, very young, particularly for front rowers, but with the right experience, uh, and they can definitely get it in those two teams, could be handy. Yeah. Mm. One to forget for sale. Yes. Yeah, I don't know what they do next. I mean, they'll go and win something, I assume. But yeah, it's worrying for that. It's going going into know. Europe. Oh, is it Europe this week? Yeah. yeah. I don't. I mean, we'll have to look at the lineups, but I don't hold up much help, uh, much hope for any English teams. No, it was interesting that some uh, English teams did kind of rotate a little bit. Yeah. Um, sale didn't really. No. Well, nothing. Nothing significant. It's a strong sale team. So, um, and it was a, a pretty strong um, Quinns team as well. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how they go next week. Yep, uh, and another great. Uh, what just what we're talking the impressive performances of the weekend. Northampton Saints, that was a good win against Saracens. It yeah. was Courtney Laws rolling back the years. Oh man, it pains oh. me. No Owen Farrell right. or Courtney Laws what's in the going England on team. At Northampton this week. Yes, please. They are making their players do an equity, diversity, and equality course. Um, to which I've seen the slides to this. And it is unclear to me, because I've made the phone calls, it is mandated by somebody, right? Somebody is pulling the strings, mandating this. If Northampton Saints do not complete this equity, I mean, it's not even equality anymore, it's equity that they want to teach the boys, right? If they don't complete this course, they get fined. Oh, you're right there, Tim? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And um, Northampton seems to say it is mandated by the RFU, and the RFU say, speak to Northampton. And I cannot get a straight answer. Who is demanding that Northampton... I mean, why does Lewis Ludlam or Alex Mitchell need to know about... I mean, particularly as a rugby player, equity as a rugby player, I mean, it's the least equal sport on in the planet. I mean, it's, if, you're, if you're five foot two playing second row against someone who is nearly seven foot... It will not be an equal outcome. And this is the idea of the game, isn't it? We want to make the situation as... Maybe that's why they need to learn it. We want the situation to be uh, as unequal as possible before we enter this fight. That's the only thing that I can possibly think. <laughs> so it's upskilling them on... It uh, is upskilling them, yeah. Positional uh, strategy. Yeah, in the same way that I went to learning difficulties school. And um, when they gave us training so we could better deal with um, certain kids with special learning difficulties, we just became expert bullies because we knew all the weaknesses. (laughs) It is exactly, exactly (laughs) the same principle. Well, just on that, um, we might get into this a little bit later, or maybe on a Patreon pod, or maybe on a different pod. But did you did you uh, see the RFU reports and accounts yeah. released this year? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I wanted to know what you made of them because here's what I saw. I read it and then I read it again. It's like, what? What exactly is this? Is this telling me a good story or a bad story? Because you read it and it reads like, whoa, everything's great. And then at the very end goes, yeah, we've got some pretty awful years to come. So uh, brace yourself. Uh, yeah, it's hard to know because... They present the number, the financial statements, as if they're making this inordinate amount of profit. So, um, from the this is from the group profits um, and loss account revenue two hundred and twenty million um, up from one hundred and ninety million. Uh, well, that's good. Gross profit one hundred and seventy six million. Got to talk into the mic, mate. Okay. <laughs> gross profit one hundred and seventy six million. Gross profit. 
I mean, that's 176 million. It's quite, it's quite a lot, isn't it? And then you go, hang on, that's okay. So we've covered the women's game. That's the first 22 million. Then. <laughs> and then you go, and you go, um, overhead oh. expenses, which will be things like staff and running Twickenham and all the rest of it. 73 million. Yep. And then rugby investment. Oh, spending. Um, 103 million. And then you get to the actual operating profit, 4 million. Right, and that's, uh, that's different. The, the rugby investment is... I can't wait to find out what this is. Well, it's... Some of the things are could be classed on the investment side, potentially. But included in the rugby investment is operating the men's and women's rugby teams. That's not... That's not a rugby investment. That's just that's not, that's just expenses. That is just operating costs. Yeah. Uh, well, how would they? I mean, I guess they could say, "Well, look, we are investing into these teams to inspire future generations." Or I don't know. Pos- uh, yeah, but it's not. It's a cost. Uh, yeah, it's not it's an investment. Like, but, pay, but it, paying it, paying Mario Toji twenty five thousand pounds a game, or 18, it might be eighteen, nineteen thousand pounds post COVID, but whatever it is, a five figure sum in a game. That's not an investment. Nope, nope. But hold on. The, I guess the important thing is to work out they won't pay tax on that amount though, will they? That'll come off as a cost before taxes and stuff are taken off. So they're only being taxed basically on four million quid. Is that is that what I'm taking from? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. However, um, this is a good point, right? Because it doesn't matter if it's investment or a cost. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an expense. Whether it's inve- yeah. it's, it's just not an investment. So it's just an expense. So it's, yeah, it's a yeah. terminology that they use because this yeah. winds me up no end. Yeah, because you you sort of think, oh, that's a lot of four G pitches and floodlights and community yeah, development offices yeah. and yeah. and schemes. No, 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 no. It's so like I, a lot of money for, for England players. Old, I hate to beat an old drum, but when they talk about investing and they get investing. Mix up with spending, it really annoys me. Yeah. So that's, invest that's, in women's rugby. No, no, spend on women's rugby. It's fine to do it, but you've got to tell me it's spending. It's not investing. Yeah, that is precisely what is happening here. So it's 100, 100, 100 million of um, profit before rugby investment. Rugby investment, 99 million. <laughs> uh, yeah. so, By the way, how do you make a profit... Okay, this is a serious question. How do you make a profit as a rugby organisation before you paid for any of the rugby? Of the rugby, yeah. The actual thing, yeah. So my gross profit uh, as a sweet manufacturer before I made a single sweet. <laughs> but, you've, but you've sold all the sweets at this point. Sold them all. Sold yeah. all the sweets at this point. But the other part that sounds like good news is they have no debt and have wiped and have, and, and have some good hundred, cash hundred, hundred cash, hundred odd in cash. Yeah, good cash reserves. Um I can't remember if it, uh, there's no date. Let me so if they're making rugby investments, sheet. you could legitimately make it from cash reserves, couldn't you? Because it's going to pay you back anyway. <laughs> it will pay you back in kind. Yeah, it's so an investment. It's investment. It's so investment. that's what that's where the rugby investment. They shouldn't have cash reserves because cash is de- a depreciating asset, especially with inflation. <laughs> they, they, sh- they should invest. They should invest. Where would they? Where, where where should they invest their money, boys? They should uh, be getting straight on the phone to be more, be more. Financial advisors. Yeah. So weirdly, I met someone in um, Neil actually in. Um, by sevens and he goes oh world famous podcaster well, okay thank you very much um and also um uh involved beardmore 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 i was like that's not really the name it's, it's uh it's <laughs> beardmore beardmore cute. In, yeah it's beardmore and co independent financial advisors <laughs> but beardmore 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 does sound slightly better no the, the reason i brought that up was because you were talking about um uh equality diversity and inclusion essential um if you read tommy Lieb's um 
statement as chair of the board. Oh, God. Uh, there is about... One, two, three, four, five... There's nine paragraphs. Um, seven of those paragraphs are just... They don't tell you anything. Thanks to fellow board members. Welcome new board members. Working with the board members. Thanks to the board members. Working with the council. <laughs> the board will continue. I literally, that is the, the lines from uh, seven of them. Two of those paragraphs... So seven say nothing at all. Uh, two of them are about the, the negatives in our game. Oh, please, yes. Uh, so this will be, be about uh, clubs going bust, presumably. Surely that's going to so be mentioned. They, That'll be like clubs going bust. So the, top the f- line. So, well, there are two paragraphs. Um, the f- the second of those paragraphs is uh, presumably the second biggest problem in our game, which is, sadly, three premiership clubs went into administration. That's the second biggest problem. That's the it? second biggest Goodness problem, according me. to... I think we should start referring to that as four, because if there was any... If, they, if they'd actually got the promotion relegation thing like they should, well, then, then it would Tim, be four. Hang on, Tim. Maybe the first biggest problem is Jersey going out of business. So yeah. you've just jumped the gun there. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, three premiership rugby clubs went into administration, which means the biggest problem is Jersey. No, not the biggest problem is Jersey. The biggest problem... Want to guess? Oh, what is the biggest problem? People singing "Sweet Low, Swing Low" at Twickenham. No, um, uh, it will be participation numbers dropping. No, It'll not be mentioned. The fact that we hate everything like the RFU and the high tackle law. <laughs> no, uh, the not mentioned. Bill Sweeney got another pay rise. Not mentioned not on mentioned. on this, but it, it is mentioned later. We can talk about that later. That okay. Bill Sweeney's um, what are the things? Sixteen thousand pound pay rise. Is it the fact they've done a terrible deal with CVC? Is it the fact that they're trying to replace income with capital and it's never been done in, his, in the history of the world? Is that one of the things? Not one of the things. What is it? What could this thing... Social media, then. Not social media. Not social there media. is praise for oh, their is, own social media later in the report. Yeah, so is it the fact that social media is responsible, at least partly for the retirement, <laughs> at least partly, of the England captain? No. It, do you want to know? Go yeah. on. This past season threw up a number of issues in relation to discrimination at all levels of the game, as bravely yes. highlighted How by Luther Burrell. Oh, oh, really? Highlighted by Luther Burrell? That is... Highlighted by Luther Burrell. Why don't we ask some questions about why that report never came to light, shall we, boys? Newcastle and the RFU did a rather in-depth um, sort of report on this, which weirdly never came to light. I wonder why that would be. I wonder why that would be. Is it because the claims were nowhere near what they seem, seem to be? But please, Tom, please. I don't know that, but no, I'd love no, to I'd, see a report if there yeah, was one. Yeah. Oh, no, no, you, won't, to, you won't see the report. I'd you love to read the report. the report. Because the things that I, I have been told that went on, which would have to be in that report, would not be would not be pre, uh, pretty reading. And they're not what you think in any way, shape or form. I am not, I'm not kind of being flippant around di- discrimination and um, discrediting that, or denying that there is any discrimination, even though it's not something that any of us are aware of or see. But for that to be, for the for the President's report, sorry, the Chair of the Board um, report to be seven paragraphs of nothing, no information, and two paragraphs on the issues, and to pick the issues of being three plebeiership clubs going bankrupt, and then the primary issue to be discrimination is just... 
Well, we live frustrated. It's, it's somebody else's priorities, isn't it? This is yeah. what's important to Tom Alube. It's not important to anybody else. It's just important to Tom Alube. Uh, in the same, we can't say anybody else, but yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. It's not, no, 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 not no, to no, no I mean, one else. Look, look, what he's he's referring to the list of problems that that, that, that we've got is absolutely crazy. I just say that discrimination is the number one problem when four of your... You tell somebody, right, who lost their job at Wasps or can't get a, a, a contract at Jersey or the fans that don't have any rugby to watch because their teams no longer exist. You tell them that the biggest problem was discrimination and they'll laugh in your face. Mm. You know, I... He, it's, just a, it's just a different world to the one that we, yeah. we see. He only cares about his own priorities because at the end of the day... When he leaves this role, he'll fly the flag of the things which he's done. And he came in for this mm-hmm. particular role. All the press releases were championed because this is what he was going to do. And from what I can tell, he has done absolutely nothing to further the cause of rugby. In the same way, Bill Sweeney does absolutely nothing to further the cause of rugby. In fact, any of these so-called professional administrators do anything to further the cause of, of rugby. Well, can we talk about some rugby, please? <laughs> well, I mean, this is, the, this is the RFU, Tim. This is the RFU's actual report. One last thing from me, um, and it's it's only a minor technical thing, but this report is for financial year ending 30th of June 2023. So it counts for everything up to end of June 2023, which all the reports, all of the documentation is pre-World Cup. And yet in the CEO's review of the year, he celebrates up to um, year end 2023, uh, sorry, year end June 2023, he celebrates Wayne Barnes, Carl Dixon, Matthew Carley, and Tom uh, Tom Foley and Luke Pearce making World Cup history as the first match officials lineup appointed from one union. He's celebrating something that happened in the future from when he wrote this <laughs> this CEO's review of the year statement. He can okay. he can he can just copy and paste that into a next year's review if he still has a job. Can I just say? I'll let him off on that one. I know, it's because my, I do think that it is, is a legitimate thing it's, it's, to be proud of. It's a great thing to be proud of. It's just, it's not in this time. Like, yeah. It's the different time frame he's talking about. And that's, yeah. it's the kind of thing that um, I find funny or annoys me. But it's no one else would be bothered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should be very, very proud of our referees. In fact, I think I think We, we should are. be we proud. Are. We. It, the point is a good one because the English referees are absolutely superb. The best in the world from what we have repeatedly seen. So, um, is Stade Francais v to lose the game that's going to earn your support as as a supporter, JB? It then? would be if I could be bothered enough with it this week. <laughs> yeah, that was the yeah. plan, but I'm just not. I'm not invested enough to make a decision yet. But I think. So, in other words, you've seen the score and you want. I have no idea what the score is. It's twenty points to five in to which way? Stade Francais at half time. Oh, is it? Oh, mm. in, the, in the second half. I was going to say because I was sort of edging towards Stad. Hmm. That's cool. Well, my uh, my beloved Bayon uh, got a good win against uh, Montpellier, who were in trouble. Mm-hmm. And my beautiful Bordeaux won away at Oyana. They did. Do you see how they won? Uh, Bizarre. I, so um, I've seen the Biel Barry. Yes, that. So they were twenty two twenty three down in the dying moments. Yeah. Penalty kick on about halfway to try and win the game. It fell short, but the Oyana. Fullback, I think it was, spilled the ball, catching it, and the ten was offside. The ten was offside, went to play it, but didn't. And Biel Bire just managed to dot down. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right under the post and they, they got the win. Mm. Yeah. Did that Damian Penno got another two tries, having He's got right four there. last week. Yeah. Four it's, last week. Yeah. Four on, it, four on his home debut. In oh, the fir- four in the first half on his home word. debut. It's quite a nice uh, wing pairing of Bielbury and Pano. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's lovely. Yeah. Um, oh, the Premiership teams are in trouble when they fi- when they finally well, it's, yeah, it's Europe. go to Europe. It's Europe this week as well. Yeah, we'll talk about that um, at the end in as, our As for, as for Premiership, and if we get back to the rugby, but let, let's linger on, not wanting to linger on negatives, but it just flows <laughs> nicely when you're talking about <laughs> financial factors. What's the point in Newcastle? As You know what? I'd been thinking about Newcastle this week and I wanted I really wanted them to put in a good performance and I really wanted to be telling her this is it, Newcastle might get some bad results but it could actually be good for the league to have um, expo- young guys getting exposure to the highest level and then they can go off Newcastle won't stop them from going off and furnishing the other team so you've got more players coming into circulation but after watching that I mean the first 10 minutes they, they bat- battled well yeah they were good and then it just all fell apart and far too easy, far too soft around um, the driving mall. Um, unable to get territory or control the ball for more than a few phases and just suffocated. So, yeah, kind of, if it's going to be like that, what is the point? And the the way that the coach Alex Codling spoke after the game, it's like, yeah, I'm going to back the boys, I'm going to stay positive, but it was resignation. It, and it was blaming the club. Yeah. It was say, like, They've got sure, to do- Surely he knew, like, surely he knows what's going on. It's not, like, it's not new to him that they're not spending money, they're letting their players go. Yeah, they're, well, they've got, no, there's no incentive spring. for them. If they don't have the money to spend, there's no incentive to find the money because they're not getting relegated. Yeah, yeah. So, the the owners are just keeping they hold just of say, their premiership you, shares and just just existing. If you raise this to head of media at Newcastle, you say, well, "What is the point in you guys? You know, it's going to be it's going to be a joke." Well, we're just being sustainable. That's what they'll say. We're just sustainable, which well, I mean, is right. Well, yeah. Well, the system it, is allowing that to be the yeah, case. It makes an unsustainable league. It does. It, de- it makes an uncompetitive league. It makes it boring. But it also it, yeah. how, many, how many people turn off after twenty minutes of that match? That's exactly yeah, our point. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly our point, Tim. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, it ha- this has to come when the salary cap goes up. There needs to be some serious thought about forcing teams to spend more money. But of course, you can't, can you? You can't ask owners to separate even more money than what they've already done. 
knowing full well that you can't get any more owners in because CVC deal will, will effectively prevent that. It was an interesting one after Alex Codlane had his chat and the, the, the guys on TNT started having a chat with Craig Doyle. I don't, I, I, he was just you know spitballing. He was like, does something need to be done? Do we need to get them some money or something? Like, like it would be the best thing for the game to invest some of the game's money in giving Newcastle some investment. cash. Bail, bail them out. Hmm, but um, I, I, I just... Well, Newcastle is of strategic importance because of its location. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And having your most, most northerly club be in Manchester isn't a great look, is it? No. I mean, that is a real problem. So you might make the argument that giving money to Newcastle is a good idea. But, but I'd say no, but, it's but not. But then if you were an owner of another club who's oh, making yeah. a loss, you'd be like, where's where's mine? Well, it's the same exactly. as I say about the women's game. So support yourself. Support yourself. Find the owners that want to support your, your game. Don't ask for handouts con- con- continuously under the guise of investment. But if you want to just say spend it on Newcastle, spend it on Newcastle. Well, that's, that is what's up. The clubs are choosing to spend the money on the women's teams, which is fine. That's, that's no, not. They are, are they, they forced to? They are being subtly forced. I mean, it's not explicit, but there are subtle games at, at play making them do this, yeah. Mm, okay. I don't, I don't know anything about that, but that's, well, that's, well, that's for another day. But um, Newcastle, yeah, it's not even worth talking about the game. No, no, no. Le- Leicester were Leicester, Newcastle were yeah. Newcastle. Did even know the score? What was the score? 47-3. Brilliant. Yeah, and it, it was a training run for... Leicester got some good uh, line-out and more practice in. Um couple of nice tries later well, on. It's a nice line by Matt If Scott. you're just going to go by the scoreline, did Bath have a training run against Exeter? <laughs> um, slightly less so. 47-3 is different to whatever it was, 40-20. But uh, actually more of a one-sided game uh, was Bristol-Gloucester. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Gloucester that's, that's did the other not concern. turn up. At, uh, in the first half, Gloucester were, comp- other than Reece Summit, who did look good? Gloucester were woeful. Right until, until so the you, last. last so you may not minutes. have seen. You may not have seen these games and stuff. Do you, uh, have a guess. Um, there was a person scored for Bristol who is now Bristol's highest ever try yeah. scorer. Guess because you won't have seen this highest ever try, try scorer. scorer, or is it highest Premiership try scorer? He scored for Bristol. Scored for Bristol to become their highest ever try scorer. Possibly caveat in the Premiership. Not uh, Richard Lane. No, he's only been playing there a year or so. A couple of years, yeah. Hang on, so who I'm looking at the I'm looking at the scorers in front of me. Um, let's see if see if JB can guess without looking at the scorers. Oh, I'll go through some of the players that played. Um so it's well it's not gonna be Max Malins, is it? Because he's only been nope. there a little while. Uh, Gabriel Libertoy, only been Unlikely. there a little while. Vakatawa just joined. Unlikely. Yanti Van Rensburg just Unlikely. joined. Sheedy. Randall, hmm? Thomas, Harding, Luatua. Batley Dunn, Sinclair Genge, Thacker. Thacker. Correct. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. In the Premier Now, does this speak to the fact that Bristol are sort of very sporadically not in the Premiership? <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, they yeah. spent they spent they spent big chunks of time outside of the Premiership, yeah. Yeah, it but, must it must be. Yeah. Because they've had some phenomenal try scorers like uh, Lemmy. Lemmy was the one I was gonna go for, yeah. Von Dell? Mm. Vondel was bagging tries for fun, even at Bristol. Um, they had the Scott brothers come through there. Well, no, Exeter produced them. No, they didn't. Then, um, uh, oh, did they? Yeah, Exeter produced them, and then they went to Bristol. No, and no, no, Bristol produced them. And then they, and went, then they went to... No, was it the other well, way around? Oh, no, I think you're right. They came through at Bristol, and then... Yeah, went to... One went to Exeter, one went to Newcastle. 
Yeah, one is at sale. The ones at Leeds for a little while. The ones at Bath for a little while. Um. Anyway, yeah. Just trying to think of who else there might have been. No, 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 they, they were down there. I'm sure they were down in Plymouth, Exeter way. I'm sure that was they I, were I was down there. I was thinking right now. No, I think they came from... No, uh, Brist- Bristol, yeah. Plymouth, oh, uh, Tom Arscott, uh, Luke Arscott came from Plymouth Albion. Oh, there you go. So I reckon Tom might have come from Exeter. I think they, they were both in Bristol <laughs> somehow. Anyway, they, those are names I haven't heard in a while, but... That's where you listen to the yeah. podcast. Get your, get your regular <laughs> yeah, off, like Arscott it. news. Gloucester were really, really poor. Yeah. Particularly in that first half. And Bristol, when they're given space, as they were given, and they can get their offloading game in, they look Bristol looked really good. But it was on the back of Gloucester being very I, I know poor. Gloucester are getting a hiding, right? I know they are. And they're not good. And people who support Gloucester are not happy with them. Yeah. I still believe in Gloucester. Yeah, and I I like Skivington as well. Yeah, I still believe in Skivington. I, I, and I think they've got some good players but but it is bad enough that the, uh, that Alex Brown CEO came out and wrote an apology to the fans. Yeah. So we're trying our hardest. Please bear with well, us. Well, are they trying their hardest? Because one of the concerning things which has happened this year, this week, is Jack Singleton has left the club, and he's gone to Toulon. Mm. Now, it was Stephen Jones writing a defence of Owen Farrell. We won't ha- um, rehash that, but he said something about look at the amount of players that are not available for England selection because they chose to leave. And I thought, hang about, Stephen, have you been listening to our, our, our <laughs> podcast again? And in particular, me, because this is what exactly this is exactly what I predicted would happen: the hollowing out of the game. And the the lads that he listed are legitimate England. Um, I wouldn't say stars, but certainly potential stars. So Arundel, um, Willis, yeah, Ar- Arundel's situation is different. Arundel and Willis, their situation is different because is their clubs different? went bump. Yes. But, that, but this is all part. It's all part, part of the process. They've still ended up there. In fact, it's just an even. It's just a quickening of the process. If anything, well, that, no. so that did. But the, what they they were given, they were given the Premiership. You've got two clubs who can afford you. They've only got fifty k left in their in your cap, or you can go to Toulouse or Racing for two hundred and fifty k. Fifty k to stay in the to stay in England. Two hundred and fifty k. Two hundred and fifty k. The ones that are more concerning are the likes of the Simmons boys, yeah. uh, Luke Carandicki first time, although obviously he ended up back in the Prem. Joe Marchant. Joe, Joe Marchant particularly. Yeah, Jack Noel. Those, no, those Jack guys. Singleton. I mean, Kieran Brooks. Yeah, Rib- well, David Ribbons. So, uh, again, Ribbons. as usual, Rob Baxter always has the answer to stuff and he pointed out last year one of the issues that co- that led to some of his Exeter players going, and I think this would be where Jack Singleton falls, who has only gone as a medical joker, by the way, to Toulon. Yep. You never know where that might end up. Anyway, um, uh, Rob Baxter said, the issue is you only get the England cash if you play for England. Yeah. So if you're not the first choice or you're not sort of guaranteed first yeah. choice, it's, it's, it's feast or famine. You get all of it or none of it. Yeah, and yeah, Jack yeah. Singleton would be looking at it and going, oh, yeah, I might get in the squad. I might get a bench spot, but actually... Probably Chances not. are I'd be a member of the squad, in which case I won't get the money. So if yeah. you remember, my premise of this, or my, you know, my, my, sorry, my, my central thrust was, what will happen in the future is that England will be, well, they'll have less players to choose from, 
but the players they do finally choose, fewer. like the chosen, thank you, the you know the chosen few, the the chosen fewer, um, <laughs> <laughs> will be less available for for their clubs. So you'll have these clubs which are hollowing out because the Jack Singletons have left. Well, but that, yeah, they that's call, less true with ten Premiership teams. Um, it'd be more true, wouldn't it? No, less true because they won't they'll, they'll, they won't miss as many club games. Oh, I yeah. see. Yeah, yeah, but you could more play, players. Yeah, okay. Yeah, if you play ten games for England, you could play twenty club games. Yeah, which is your full regular season plus a couple of games in Europe, and most of the English teams won't won't play more than a couple of games in Europe. So you're going to have a lot. Well, the problem is the cap, the salary cap. Unless it goes up substantially, more and more of it will be dedicated to England players who will not be playing for England. Yeah, sorry, which will not means- be playing. For their club. The club, which means they're less valuable to the club, even though the clubs need them because they need the England um, stars. Yeah, and they can't well, afford well, yeah, the other people. Well, we know that the salary cap's going up next year, and we've seen evidence. Well, we're seeing evidence of the salary cap going up next year because RG Snayman is heavily linked with the move to Bath for mm. best part of half a million quid, mm. which is a which in the current move. salary cap because he wouldn't be able to be a marquee player. Well, him and Finn Russell couldn't yeah, be. Only one of them. Only one of them can be. So. Uh, in in the current sal- salary cap structure, that would be RG Snayman having almost ten percent of the entire budget for the oh, whole squad. Which is so he's a hell of a player. He's one of those few players of that size because he is absolutely enormous. Guys like Will Skelton and others. Um, but he's got a he's had long term knee issues for so he's played I, ten games total for Munster. Yeah, in two years. It's perhaps not the wisest way to spend your money. This is what you've got to do. But he's, he's incredibly useful if you can get him fit for long periods of time. Yeah, it's exactly what you're... So you'll end up with... You won't be able to afford an RG Snayman with a clean injury record because he'll be playing for Toulouse. But you might be able to scrape 10% of your entire salary cap and get the injured version. <laughs> yeah, And that's where we're going to... And just hope for the best. You're going to have to take yeah. some serious risks. Anyway, so Stephen Jones highlighted this. Um, I didn't. I don't think he meant to, but that, this is exactly what what is going on. Exactly what's going on, and it's just going to make the Premiership a weaker product. As it makes it a weaker product, it's going to be harder to raise cash, so on and so forth. It is. We're, we're midway. Th- this process of the destruction of rugby is actually happening much quicker than I thought it would. Much, much quicker. I said five years. I think it's three years. Well, on on the destruction destruction of rugby, shall we um, park the the legal papers and the naming of the players in the concussion thing? Should we park that into a Patreon pod? Oh, you can do, yeah, yeah, you can do. Um, we could touch on it in a bit, but um, as as for actual rugby, there was okay. So I've said this before. Uh, I'm just not as excited by the Premiership, and I want to be, and I'm trying to be. I was impressed with how Bath played. Um, yeah, I think it's worth talk, talking about Bath. I was really impressed by Harlequins. I I thought Saracens-Northampton was a legitimately excellent game. Saracens rested a few players at home, a few of their big guns. Uh, Northampton played really, really well. Courtney Law's at the forefront of it. So th- there is some good rugby to talk about in the Premiership for all of the issues that we've been raising. Mm. Well, let's talk about Bath. I am actually excited about Bath. Uh, yeah. I, not only am I excited about Bath, I'm excited for Bath and their fans. They remind me a little bit of Worcester in this respect, which is what I always liked about Worcester as a club is as soon as they got a few wins together, they'd get loads of fans. And, you know, because it's... It feels like a massive backhanded compliment or back, yeah. a hid, hidden insult. Ba- Bath had a sold-out wreck, win-lose-draw. Yep. 
but now they're winning. And the atmosphere, which you're hearing at the rack, and that excitement around the rack, I was, I was thinking about it, I was like, yeah, if these boys start winning, they might be able, I mean, this sounds mental, but maybe they could turn a profit. You know, maybe they could, because it's going to be a Gloucester or a Bath or someone with someone with an attendance which is getting their fan base really excited, which hopefully is going to lead the Premiership, if 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 it's possible. The only way the Premiership can survive is is to lead itself out using the match day experience. So to see the wreck absolutely bouncing and getting exciting, excited about Bath means we should all be excited for Bath, really. Mm. And it is good to see Bath playing this kind of rugby. Yeah. They've, they've, they've tried it before. They've brought fly halves in before that haven't worked as well. Like Only a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, Danny Cipriani coming yep. in was going to be... It was going to change them, and it ended catastrophically badly. Now, some of us might have predicted that that was a possibility when he signed, but mm-hmm. um, Finn, Finn Russell is the real deal. He's allowing them to play in the way that he wants to play, uh, and he's got some talent around him. So, like, um, Ajomo and Redpath in the centres yes, is ju- awesome. They are awesome, aren't they? And then getting the best out like... Possibly Henry Arundel next year because Joe fucking the singer's contracts up and it's thought he's moving on. Henry Arundel's on there. On I, I radar. hate saying this because I've I've been saying bad things about Cock and Singer for a long time. He seems to be thriving at the moment. He does well, a lot, a lot of players when they have contracts up. We've seen it with Mario Tudji. Mm. Interestingly, when they when they don't he's have not, he's got no threat. a contract to play for. He is the, the number one now. There's no Anthony Watson to sort of you know. I mean, well, he wasn't well, there last last year. In fairness, but there's no, no Watson there. He he is the main man. And if Finn Russell can put him in space, but not just Finn Russell, Finn Russell, Redpath, Ajomo, ben, Lawrence. Ben Spencer is a great ball player. Ben Spencer is a great ball player. The, the player that impressed me most from Bath, and it, Sam Underhill. Yeah. He looks like old school Sam Underhill. Mega. And I hate saying it because, touch wood, I just don't want it to get yeah. issued again. Because with without Curry, without Laws, and now without Ben Earl, we, man alive, we need Sam Underhill. Yeah. And um, big ask Ludlam mm. will be unavailable from next year. Yeah, um, as well. Yeah, he's another one like a Marchant or like a Simmons who is going um, without the catastrophic failure of a Premiership club going into administration or liquidation. But like, is Barbary? I mean, we were we've mm. been saying he hasn't been playing very well. There are there are opportunities in that England back row for players who step forward in the next couple of weeks. And I was just looking at Bath fixtures. They're Away to Ulster, no, sorry, home to Ulster mm-hmm. and away to Cardiff. They could it's be an two, English team with two wins. They're two winnable games. Yeah, potentially. So just on Barbary, his first try uh, from the base of Wait. a mall. Fine, good. Yeah, his second try was illegal. Was he in front of? The, uh, yeah, I'm sure he was. I, I'm trying to think which game it was. It, it was, was one of the, no, the, the Leinster Wasps. And Sean Cronin picks up picks up the ball. He's ahead of the ball, picks it up in a ruck, goes underneath the posts, and then Wasps get smashed. No, uh, so that wasn't the game I was thinking of. It was the Bristol Gloucester game this week, oh, right. uh, where uh, the referee—I can't remember who the referee was—was was, um, talking about exactly that problem. And then slightly later, there was a bit of a weird one with Joe Batley where Luatu and Thacker drove through a rook, which created an opening for um, Batley to pick up. But that was that was legal. It was slightly different to this. 
Um, not like the Cronin one. Um, yeah, the angle that I saw of the the Barbary, couldn't quite tell. Yeah, whether anyway, he's in, whether he's in front of the ball when he picked it up or not. I don't really care. He's out there making 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 things happen. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Which he which he hasn't been doing earlier this season, and he is one of those players. When he was, I mean, it was a few years ago. I remember them playing Wasps playing Toulouse, and he was just throwing boys off him for fun. I do wonder if he's good enough. I mean, I've got a real question mark. Is he good enough? We we will only know if we see it, and we'll only see it. If he gets a consistent run without injury, he does. Hopefully, he does. He has always seemed when he was fit and firing. He always seemed like the there wasn't a stage that was too big for him. What yeah. do you think we're looking at though with him? Do you think he's like a? I wanted um, to go back to being a hooker. I've said this a few times. Yes, agreed on that. Is he is he a bustling a more yeah a more bustling version of Ben Earl? Just all action, all everywhere. Not an expert, but can't leave can't leave him out of the team. He's also, he's, else? he's bigger than Ben Earl, like. Considerably, maybe not taller, but he's considerably broader and bigger and heavier. Yep. He could be, more, I want to say more like a pick em type. Like not, not big enough. Not saying he's a, a pick em but he's he just just that power through contact. That, that ability to kind of get half stopped and then just keep powering through. Yeah, he's got sort of... But he's not super fast, or no, he's not like super fast. Like, like, uh, like explosive Visa, in, yeah. Visa, Visa, maybe. Uh, but he's yeah, similar, yeah, similar body size and shape, similar. Yeah, he's Visa's prob- probably the best. Visa's probably yeah, comparison. I think close size. I, would, I mean, look up Jasper Visa. But I, I bet that Jasper Visa was English. He'd be playing number eight for England. Quite yep. possible. CJ yep. CJ Stander. Yeah, CJ Stander's another one. Yeah, that's the sort of guy. That, that guy I'm yeah, so is interesting actually. Visa is listed as two inches taller, but a stone lighter than Barbary. Absolutely, I'm not. not sure. Sure. I'm not sure either of those things are true. But I'm gonna have to go and weigh him. I'm taller you, than Visa. You so how will he listed as? He's listed as six three. No, he's nah. not. He's not six three. Barbary is listed as six one. You know how many six one number eights? Not. Not well, Ben Jas- Jasper Visa's one. Jasper. Yes, true. <laughs> just I don't know. I don't, ben, ben try, I'm trying to, think, trying to remember. Ben not even 6-1. No, he's not. Hmm, interesting. So he's going to struggle with the line. I, mean, I don't know. what It's like Ben Earl, though, isn't it? Like, you say, oh, he's struggling with the line. Out. But you make it work. If he's good enough, you'll make it work. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, so yeah, well, well done, Bath. And it is... Even, uh, so I'm not a Bath fan. And I will definitely not be support- supporting them this coming weekend. But there is something nice about seeing that lovely classic blue, white, and black kit going well Stash at the rec great. with good, good crowd I, playing nice rugby as well. I don't think I'd like Bath if they were um, sort of mid-table. I think I'd hate them, but I love them when they're either awful or really good. Yeah, but you know, been watching them be awful for three years has been marvelous. To be fair. Like spending good money after bad over and over again, but now that maybe they've just maybe they've just burnt enough money, and that's the moral of the story. <laughs> just burn enough money, and eventually it'll come come good. <laughs> yeah. Um, t- two tries to mention this game: the Spencer try, which was fucking a singer down the right wing, lovely yep. little one-two. Uh, the Slade try, I thought, was exquisite. He's it playing was. really well. Talk about England watch. Henry Slade has to get back yeah. in the squad because he's doing such a good, an he's important leadership role yeah. there. He's kicking. As well, yeah, which is always useful, uh, particularly if they're missing Farrell. Um, but I just loved the line, the deception from Hawkins on that. 
because it was a Hawkins really hard line that kind of it totally fixed. Uh, I think it was Red Path, but also made a Jomo almost step in and check himself. That then because he, he looked like Hawkins was going to carry it just as a total crash ball. And last second, a little pop to Slade, also cutting a great line. Just on the really England good, midfield. Really good try. Just on the England midfield and mm. sticking with Bath a little bit. <sighs> Ollie Lawrence is playing so well this season. And whenever he plays for Bath, he's a 13, like he was mm. at Worcester. Yep. But people seem to be putting him in this 12 role uh, in their minds for England. It's the same as, them, as Manu for the last X number of years. Yeah. But that's, that's because it's the problem that we always talk about. Who is England's 12? Hmm. Where are the names for the England 12s? Really well, Max like, Ajomo. Well, so Ajomo was playing 13. The two 12s in this game, Red, Red Path, Path and Hawkins. And Hawkins, Wales. Wales and Scotland. Scotland. Oh, by the way, you talk about the um, deception on the Slade try. The dece- I don't know how Red Path snuck through for his try. Yeah, where he went down the right-hand wing with Red Path and then he came back yeah. round. People at Sale, I've said this before, so I'll say it again. People at Sale talk about Redpath. Like he was the single greatest youngster that, that I've ever seen. And like for England to let him go, and he mm. wanted to play for England too. Mm. He wanted to play for England. Eddie Jones just trying to get all the uh, the dual qualified players in, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I I I don't know if he's if he's a solution again. I don't know if no. Very few people were saying Nick Tompkins before he went and played well for Wales. I was. But, well, know. they definitely were saying um, Redpath because he's in the England squad. Yeah, but I'm not sure he, he can't start for he doesn't start for Scotland, so I'm not sure he'd be starting for England. I think he'd be starting for England. Mm. It's it's a tough question because who else is there? He's a fine player. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doubting that. I'm just going. I don't think although, it's necessarily the answer. He's still not had the single game performance that. Makes you think, yeah, he is the the absolute boy. He's, yeah. He has loads of flashes, though. Mm. Northampton Saints are looking good as well. They are. Really good win away. Yep. At Saracens. Yeah, and they've Digging some... in nicely. Furbank, again, looking good. Furbank is looking great. He, he's playing really nicely at the moment. I, I just want Courtney Laws playing for England again. <laughs> Maybe. I wonder if that's... No, it's, not, it's not going to happen, but I, I want it to happen. Well, if there's no captain... Your captain steps down. Come on, Courtney. Well, he was the best player on the pitch. He's still amazing. Yeah, he is still a quality, quality player. Yeah. I I think it's the kind of thing where he, he might do. He might for the Six Nations. I don't this think year. so. I don't think there's any desire to come back. Mm. But he'll be leaving to France, I guess, and so will um, Ludlam. Ludlam. Yeah. Oh, that, that's what. That's why you're keeping your cards close to your chest on which club Courtney goes to because you're going to support whatever team he plays for. I don't know where. I don't know where the suggested club would be. Yeah, just more players over to France mm. or Japan. Just take it nice, easy. Like, and only like 10, 15, 10, 15 games in, in, in a four month season, earn a million quid. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait for the reality to hit these unions that they need to let their players play somewhere else. And then the floodgates really will open. Mm. It is. It's going to happen at some point. Has to, has to, because otherwise, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Gone over that plenty of times. Um, okay, so uh, I can see you're losing some energy from Dubai. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Dubai? Yeah, okay. So we got there, and um, on the plane over, ran into Will Cliff. So mm. yep, which was a nice little surprise. So we got to chat about um, who he was playing for and whatnot. 
Then, as soon as I was wandering around, like, the player thing, uh, the, I didn't speak to him. I saw Dean, Dean Schofield. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He was out there. He was playing sevens. Uh, and he was there's, there's a charity shop in Stockport that regularly through his career, there'd be like the odd uh, Friday after a week's training where Dean Schofield would, would deposit a bag of sale sharks and some and occasionally like England or England A or whatever stash oh, nice. just at the charity shop and word would get round and loads of rugby fans would uh, be there for some double XL I was talking rugby to some actual rugby fans about Dean Schofield. I was like, oh my God, that's Dean Schofield, right? And like, who? It's like Dean, Premiership winning captain. Dean, Dean Schofield. Tom Curtis's stepdad. Yeah, people like scratching their head like, <laughs> like he went to Toulon and captained Toulon. He captained Toulon. No, no. Went to, went to Worcester? No. Leeds? No. Lon- London Welsh. You must know one of these things. Like, how are you a rugby <laughs> fan? You do not know who Dean, who Dean Schofield is. Anyway. Um, so this, oh, I'll tell you what was really cool. So there's a charity team out there. And I'll get, get onto my rounds about charity teams in, in a second. But all you need to know is there's a charity team. So Tom May was playing, fly off. Tom May, it looks in great shape. And mm. he can still play. He can absolutely shift. Mm. So uh, there's loads of ex-Rugby League guys there. Yeah. Jody Broughton of um, Salford City Reds. Salford. Fa- fame. yeah, yeah. Uh, there was uh, Kyle Lulawai, Sean O'Loughlin. Yeah. Um, Pat Richards. Sean O'Loughlin. Um, Owen Farrell's uncle. Yes. Um, Owen, sorry, Farrell Senior was there coaching the team. Was he? Yep. Nice. So, yeah. So the these guys obviously had been battering Pete lads left, right and centre. Yeah. Like 52 points, 50, you know, whatever it was. They wander onto pitch five and they're looking like the absolute business. And they're playing this team like in blue and pink. And this team rip them to pieces. They absolutely rip them to pieces. And I was like, who are these boys? So I go over to their um, bench to like have a look at some faces. Like, mm, I, re- I recognise that one. Oh, it's Henry Spate. Do you remember him? Yes. Winger. Yeah. With big hair. Aussie, Aussie yeah. winger. Um, looked down on the wings like... Hmm, that looks a little bit like David Smith from from, from Toulon. <laughs> oh, it is. Toulon and Samoa winger. Yeah, so I called over um, Mr. Mr. Spate. It's like, come here, come here, come here. Who is in this team? You mean, you, you didn't go over to Henry Spate and go, excuse me, Mr. Spate. You, you went, oh, yeah, come here. Yeah, come here, come, come <laughs> here, come here. So he comes up and like, right, who are you boys? Because you just absolutely smashed them. Uh, so he runs through a list of lads who I can't remember exactly. But basically... Kiwis and Australians have played in Prudidur or some you know somewhere like that, and we were just watching them. I think Paolo Perolini was the coach. I think and um, former anyway. rugby league Samoa, oh, yeah, former Samoa number eight. Or prop, yeah, yeah, prop. yeah. And now he's uh, do you play rugby league as well? UAE, I want to say. Yeah, anyway, or something, or, anyway. Um, and they was like, yeah, they can't play sevens. Like they are playing fifteens, and we're playing sevens, and they honestly. Boys, they absolutely smoked them. There was a uh, Barley Legends there. Uh, that's who Will Cliff is playing with, mm. with Maxine Mamaz, um, Clement Potrino, uh, a few others. They were very, very, very cool. Um, also ran into friend, friend of the pod and pod favourite Rob Rob Vickerman. It's always, always good to run into him and was, have a chat. Was he playing or just um, commentating and soaking up some Neither. of that? Neither. He's cash. working for World Rugby. Um, in sort of more of a commercial role, which is good yeah. because usually he's always tied up doing the comms mm. um, and met plen- plen- plenty of listeners. And then, then right, eight pints deep, 
wandering around the player park, um, and I bumped into the Dubai Dockers. And they're like, JP, yeah. Um, we're a few players short. And I stupidly said, I'll play. Uh, will you? Yeah, yeah, sure. For, yeah, I'll, I'll play. Like, me, so we've been drinking. Get me some boots. For, for two days. And I'm about eight pints in now. Uh, yeah, find me some boots, I'll play. Uh, I, I'm, no, I don't know about you, Phil, but I, I think that I think there's some revisionist history going on. I, my, what I'm imagining is eight pints deep, full of like, I could do this. JB was going around to every single team. You got any spaces, <laughs> lads? Yeah, you got any spaces, yeah, yeah. lads? You got any spaces? <laughs> so I was getting the itch to play. But then when I said, yeah, you, you can play because I had four injured players. I said, I've actually got two mates that can play too. Yeah, drop and Dave McAnally. Dave McAnally, they were like, yep, get me some boots, boys. We're going to war. Oh, yes. So on from the boots, and we play. And they got you some um, um, They got you some under 10-year-old, they got you some 10-year-old shorts no, as well to wear. No, you just tuck them into your box of shorts. You just, you know, which, <laughs> there was Sonny Bill Williams. Sonny Bill Williams. Yeah. They always want to give people what they want. So, <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't sevens, it was tens, I, I beg your pardon. And we played. Tens is marginally easier than playing sevens yeah. after you're a, a few points deep. I played inside centre against, apparently, a team full of Australian special forces. Uh, and we lost by a ten, 10 points to nil, which, you know, 10 is, is nothing. Made a few good, good line breaks, even if I say so myself. My last line break was pretty decent, and then out of nowhere I got absolutely levelled. <laughs> levelled. <laughs> like, I've not been levelled that hard for a long time. Yeah, so awesome. That was, um, that was not great, but yeah, the, the playing... Made you for, feel alive. Yeah, the playing for Dubai, I was like, I love that. And it wasn't actually that difficult, considering, you know, the trauma that my body had been through. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's good. Hey, can I tell you about my plane ride on, on the way home? Mm-hmm. Did you get upgraded? In a sense. Ooh. In a sense. Yeah. I got an upgrade. All right, boys. So. Who is he sat next to? <laughs> so, um, as, as normal. I know it wasn't Steve Diamond on the flight back yeah. to Manchester, because he was on the telly. Creepy, <laughs> creepy JB comes with his biscuits. Onto the, um, I've seen this before. On the, onto the plane. It's not worked well when I've been there. Well, it worked fine. It worked fine. Oh, I'm confused. Creepy JB and his biscuits. JB, do you not know this? A couple of times has. Um, I vaguely feel like I know. I this. always buy biscuits and sweets for the cabin crew. And hands them over as we, oh, as we yes. enter the plane, saying, "Yes, I yes, know how hard you work. I do know work. this. I do know <laughs> this. Hoping to get an upgrade. Uh, the one time, the only time you we've got anything uh, when I've been with you, uh, JB was. This was on a flight to New York a few years ago. We got some champagne once. No, no. So we, you bought a bottle of champagne and because you'd given them 20 quid worth of biscuits and bought a 50 quid bottle of champagne, they gave us a warm can of Foster's No, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. We did have have cans of Heineken. We got the champagne on the way to America. No, no, that was so. That was a flight to New York where you bought a bottle of champagne and they gave us some uh, Budweiser. <laughs> On the flight to uh, Hong Kong to go to Japan, um, me and CJ, you w- fell asleep and me and C- you woke up and me and CJ were drinking champagne and we told you that they brought us champagne and you missed it because you were asleep because of the biscuits. It wasn't. We, oh, right. we just we, that, we just. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, on this on this flight, you handed over your biscuits and sweets. Yeah. So how? Remember creepy JB and his biscuits. Yeah. So <laughs> that's where we're at. Biscuits handed over, right? And uh, I take uh, I take my seat, and as I sit down, I'm next to three older gentlemen, you know, mid fifties, bigger lads, 
and we're on that row four in the middle. So I sit down, and uh, they're like, hmm, let me move you, sir. Now, I did not get upgraded, but I moved from a row of, a, a stacked row of four to sit next to a girl who I can only describe as like, I won't say an, influence, uh, an Instagram influencer, but certainly had some influence on Instagram. She'd been in Dubai for 10 days and had only paid for one meal. For one meal. Wow. Yeah. So I, for, for eight hours, I spoke to her about rugby, uh, <laughs> rugby facts, and basically anything I could think of for about for about eight hours. So I'm That's guessing if she if she paid for one meal, I'm guessing she was um, a very charming uh, individual. <laughs> yes, she she was actually. Um, I'm trying to remember. Guess she, I'm guessing she was had a friendly demeanor and a very nice smile. Mm, undoubtedly. Yeah, hang on. Ieva from from Lithuania. So um, yeah, I had the most delightful eight hours on the way back. <laughs> so we had t- we had two seats each, and even better than that, because I'd gone to the because uh, of my creepy biscuits. Right, um, <laughs> as soon as they sat, sat me next to her, the next air hostess came up and thanked me. Said thank you so thank you so so much. Um, as soon as we're in the air. We're going to get you some drinks to both of us. So it looked like we we're together. I was like, yes, brilliant. Uh, and then again, they just kept on, they just kept on bringing us, bringing us wine. So four hours in, we, we, we were getting fairly battered. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a delightful trip. Creepy biscuits. Creepy biscuits. That's the name of this creepy, episode. <laughs> creepy creepy biscuits. biscuits. Creepy wine. <laughs> Dubai Instagram influence. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'll just, this is who I got to sit next to. Very nice. <laughs> Nods of approval. It was genuinely... It's a lovely dress. It wearing. was genuinely the best eight hours of her life. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to all your sales shark story. She couldn't get enough of it. Did you invite her to beat down Boulevard? Uh, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Just joining our CrossFit gym next. CrossFit and rugby showed all about it. <laughs> so, uh, and was the Dubai rugby experience... Because uh, so the the Springboks or the what Blitzbok uh, won box. won the. Uh, I have no how, idea, how, how much of the rugby did you watch? You, you were asking the wrong guy. I watched zero of the elite stuff, the international stuff. I watched three or four rounds of CrossFit. I really enjoyed that. So uh, the wad wad on competition or whatever it is, or I don't know, that is on. And next year, I keep saying I'm going to do it. I am definitely going to do that. That looked absolutely mm. brilliant. Um, so I watched a few rounds of that. Um, with some with some Brazilian hostesses who were doing COP twenty eight, who loved CrossFit, uh, and then we went to um, watch just any grassroots players really. So we watched like the more amateur sevens. Watched a good schoolboy game. Um, two Dubai, two of the Dubai schools going at it. Tell you what, what an opportunity for kids. So. If you can get your kids to go to Dubai Sevens, I know it's I know it's a pricey thing and it's a very private school thing to do, but I just was watching these boys play. It's like the the amount they'll maybe they might not learn a lot from it, but just the experience, the experience. in and of itself is yeah. just incredible. Yeah, um, um someone's recommended because uh, the dates still haven't been confirmed. I want to go to South Africa in the summer because it's the last ever of the traditional tours, and Ireland are going to South Africa. Uh, but someone's mentioned Craven Week. It's like, oh, oh yeah, around, yeah, yeah, around yeah. that same time, it's Craven Week, which is new to me. Clearly, you know what that yeah, Craven is. Craven Week you, is um, where all the best schoolboys play. Yeah, I, I, knew, I know nothing about it, but basically it's 
Like it's serious. It's on it, schoolboy rugby is televised every week. Um, and this is like a massive, massive deal. Yeah, this is where um, John Ross made a bit of a name for himself. So he was talking on Rugby Engine about playing in Craven Week. I was like, what on earth is that? Mm. And then no, it's, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Oh, so I'll just tell you some other players that I, yeah. I met. Yeah, yeah, go on. Are there? Dan, uh, Dan Carter? Mm. Not, not really right. that bothered. It's all right. Brian Habana? Yeah, not, not bothered. Dominic Day, very bothered. Very <laughs> bothered about Dom Day. So we had a, a great a great little chat. Um, this guy from America Sevens I really enjoyed talking to. It's a guy who I recognised because he used to play for Bristol back in the day. A South African, but played for USA. Can't remember his name now, but he was a good lad. Um, Steph Armitage was there. Mm. And who was the other one I had a chat to? It has escaped me. But as soon as it comes back, yeah. So lots of rugby networking. Good pool parties. Yes, we did a great pool party the day before. An absolutely superb one. But not really. I actually met some guys who play for a team up in Yorkshire. That was was quite 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 good fun. But I can't remember who they're called. Played for Huddersfield and and someone else. Anyway, yeah. So lots of rugby networking was done. A tremendous amount. Did brunch. Did a pool party. Did several brunches actually. Uh, did sevens, and I also went out on my own on the first night, which was tremendous fun. <laughs> Tremend- even, even more fun. Um, Stefan Armitage, there's a number eight who was under six foot. Yeah, good shout. Mm. He, was number, he was a seven, really, but played eight. But he played eight for, to, yeah. played eight for Toulon. Yeah. Um, should we do some fixtures for next week and then wrap this up to do a patron pod? Yes, a I think we should. Pod. Fixtures. Are you... Right. Top level, are you excited about the Champions Cup? The yes. in- Investec Champions Cup, is it called this time? Is yes, that what but it's called this time? I think it might be. Yes, but for the wrong reasons. What are you excited about? I'm excited to see how the Premiership teams will go and see if my predictions of beatdowns will come true. I'm actually looking forward to seeing the French teams as well uh, parade their wares to a UK domestic market. So, yeah, I'm seeing. I'm interested to see how it pans out. Mm. But I don't think... Those are reasons that the general public would be interested in the Champions Cup. Yeah, I'm not... It's kind of snuck up on me a little bit. Um, I am interested to see how the Premiership match up, um, for good and bad. I'm also, obviously, I'll be following my beloved Ulster, but uh, and now my beloved Bordeaux, but really care more about Ulster. And... Lost two games on the bounce. Um, just looked a bit underpowered when pushers come to shove. So I'm a little bit worried that it will be another disappointing year um, for Ulster and for England. Well, your beloved Bordeaux are kicking things off away at Connacht in Gal- Galway on Friday night. It's quite an interesting place to start a Champions Cup season, isn't it, in Galway? Yeah. yeah. Um, a, and a tough place to go. French teams who don't travel particularly well going over to west of Ireland. Yeah, Leinster. Leinster only just. Yeah. Leinster only just managed to win going there at the weekend. Mm. Yeah. So we uh, got that on Friday, which obviously Bordeaux. You're not going to make me go through all the fixtures. Just tell me the Premiership ones. Uh, Glasgow v Northampton is also Friday night. Yeah. Northampton. So. Mm, no, Glasgow. Glasgow beat und- Ulster uh, yeah, quite handily last I have week. No idea what Glasgow have been close to the top of the table. Well, uh, we need to see the teams because we don't know. Some teams might rest a load of players in this. You I, could I would, any, French clubs I would, could well. I would have thought. So French clubs have rested quite a few players from the teams that I've looked at. 
certainly those who are in the I hope Champions Cup. Goes full ball. I, I think that I think almost every team will go full ball. Oh, I've just looked at Sunday's fixture and it's quite interesting. Uh, anyway, Saturday, Toulon v Exeter. That, that'd be good. That'd be fun. Toulon are going to win. Yeah. Uh, Bath yeah. v Ulster. Um, um, that that will be a good game. Oh, it could be Ulster. Uh, it will be a good game. I th- that, I think, that's a good I think game, that. Bath will probably edge it, but I think that will be a good game. That could be Ulster. Uh, Toulouse-Cardiff, fine. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Bulls v Saracens. Mm. Saracens travel to uh, Pretoria. That'll be quite... That'll be quite exciting because mm. there's a bit of there'll be a that might actually excite the South African audience because there's a bit yeah, of a connection yeah, yeah. there with those teams. 100%. And, and the Bulls absolutely panned the Sharks uh, their last game, so Sharks are not going well at the moment. No, they're really not. Uh, Munster against my beloved Bayon, who are going to go there and get beaten. No, Bayon come on, Park. Bayon could do this. Uh, no. Leaving your Bayon. Oh, I, I, I'll back the boys all the way, but no, <laughs> but um, no. that's fine. Uh, Bristol versus Lyon. Mm. Um, Lyon. That'll be quite interesting as that well. Isn't, that is that should be another world match game. I'll probably edge Lyon even away. Mm. Big pack. Uh, Sunday. Hey, JB, you've got to get yourself to beat down, Boule- beat down Boulevard. Why? Who's playing? Say, your beloved Sale against your beloved Stade Francais. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is interesting. That's a cool fixture. That is a cool fixture. As is the ultimate fixture. Oh, La Rochelle Leinster. Oof. Repeat of the final. There's bad blood in this one. Yeah, yeah. I think Leinster will win this, but I don't think all Masters will still, still lose the final. <laughs> win the first game of the season, lose the last one. Everyone will be waxing lyrical about them. La Rochelle have been struggling, but are coming back into form. They're gathering a little bit of form. They they pumped Perpignan uh, at the weekend, but then they lost to Racing. But, mm. but beat Bordeaux. They've been kind of hit and miss. Mm. Winning at home, losing away, they are at home. Very nice. So I'm looking forward to that um, against Leinster, and then you've got Leicester v the Stormers, which you'd hope Leicester would win that at home. Yeah, and again a bit of interest for Sa- yeah, it's good actually from a kind of getting other audiences, apathetic audiences involved. The Bulls are up against Saracens. There's a kind of story there with South African connections, and Leicester with Andre Pollard with Jasper Visa against the Stormers. It's quite a good one. And Racing 92v Harlequins, which is quite a sexy fixture to finish off the weekend. Which we've seen a couple of times yeah. in... Uh, was it last season? Yeah. Um, was it the season before? I don't know. I think I feel like it was last season, because Quinns beat them in one... I think it was a s- split. I think Quinns narrowly beat them uh, at home and then lost away. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, uh, Last season, it was, yeah, it was um, December 22, Quinns beat Racing 14-10 at home. And then January, January 23 this year, Racing 30, Harlequins 29. Mm. So, yeah, repeat nice. from last time. Uh, all good. Um, enjoy the rugby. Right, We're, we're going to quickly break and do a Patreon pod about I'm the... Like, do we have to? <laughs> yes, JB. Okay. We've, we've got lots we'll of people do a quick one. We've got people who support us on Patreon. Right. We'll do it very quickly. You can't have a four-day bender and then complain <laughs> about you're doing... absolutely right. The only reason you're there at that four-day bender and matter and we're getting called that over and true. said, come and play in our team you know, is because of this podcast. Yeah, do you know what? I'm behaving like one of those concussion guys that forgot why they are in the position that they are in life anyway. 
the perfect introduction to the Patreon pod, which you can find at patreon.com slash eggchasers, and you can go and support us there for extra spicy content, which I think um, I think JB might get, get his mojo back in about two minutes' time over there. In the meantime, um, yes. let's, <laughs> let the boys end. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.